Good afternoon, Charlie. Tell me about your dreams. Tell me everything you remember. No. Do you not want to talk today? I can come back. I don't dream. Okay. So is it warm enough in here for you? Are you finding the accommodations comfortable? Sure. The couch is new-ish. The bed is not. I've had a chance to go through the first batch of tapes, so I'd like to start our larger conversation now. When would you say this first garnered your attention? Was it Leah's broadcast? No, that was a sideshow. So when would you say you first turned You your... sincerely, Sandra Cole. Okay. The sincerely, Sandra Cole. You still there? I'm here, Doug. I was just saying. I've been sober six months. That's wonderful, Doug. And Abby, if you're out there listening, I just want to say how sorry I am. I love that cat as much as you did. She hears you, Doug. I'm sorry. I, I, I didn't mean to cry on your radio program. <laughs> Never apologize for feeling too much, Doug. It's what makes life worth living. The happy times, the sad times. It's important to be honest with yourself. Thank you, Sandra. She always loved your show. No, thank you, Doug. My next call is coming from Leah in Sacramento. I see you've requested If You Could Read My Mind by Gordon Lightfoot. Such a lovely, haunting song. Who's this going out to, Leah? My uncle, Emil Haddock. And why is this song important to you, too? Leah? You're going to find me in pieces if you don't do exactly what I say. I'm waiting for you at the bridge. You have 72 hours. Goodbye. Why did that get your attention? It got everyone's attention. Why did it get your attention? Because the resolve required to do something like that was admirable. Admirable? Yes. And the opportunity to hunt someone of that caliber was too much to pass up. Also, I got paid a lot of money. Ah, always money. So that's when you went to London. So that's when I went to London. JFK Airport, Terminal 7. Two men have been standing near the emergency exit watching me. They are dressed as custodians, or are custodians. They don't appear to be fixing anything. Otherwise, business as usual. You record these notes often. Any particular reason? I'm thorough. <laughs> You're paranoid. That's interesting coming from you why i didn't chain myself to this floor i'm being careful you're being thorough ah. here we are london 
lobby of the Bridgemont building, approaching the security desk. One second. Who are you here to see today? I have an appointment with Eugene Demeter. IDS? Uh, yeah, sorry, IDS. What was your name? Charlie Lattimore. We could skip the elevator stuff and all the waiting around in the waiting room. Why are you playing these at all? I need it to be top of mind for you. Charlie? Yes? We're ready for you. Great. Do you want help with the bag? That's all right. This way. You worked here long? Me? Maybe four months. Are you applying for a job? I am. Oh, amazing. Well, it's a great place to work. Lots of benefits and the location, obviously. Hi, Akshay. Hi. Hi, Nia. This is going to sound so dumb, but I I've been going on so many interviews. What exactly is it that you do here? IDS. A lot of things, mostly centered around events. Insurance, logistics, marketing, you name it. Anyway, we're going to put you two in here. I make sure Gene is on his way. He's not great at time management these days. Here he is. Good luck. Thank you. Hello. Nice to meet you in person. You are Charlie, right? I am. Good. I didn't want to get my wires crossed. Can you imagine me blathering on about Limetown and you're the wrong person? Um, look. Jean. I'm a little nervous talking to you. You're very intense. I'm going to be telling you things that I've never, ever in my life said to anyone. Jean, I would urge you to take your involvement in Limetown very seriously. I do! And from now on, be extremely selective in who you talk to about this. You think you can do that? Yes. And I'm not ignoring you. I'm just writing this down. Be selective. No, I, I also wouldn't write any of this down. <sighs> oh, God. Yeah, that, that obviously goes without saying. I haven't really been getting a lot of sleep in the past few days. I might need you to hold my hand through this. It's all very new to me. Would it make sense for me to tell you who knows I'm involved? I think let's wait on that. What I would like to do first is come to an agreement about terms. Okay. And then maybe take this to a more private location to discuss the scope of your involvement in this thing. Yeah, absolutely. You want to talk about money? I would. Normally, this kind of thing would be more fluid, but considering the scope of this project, I'm going to need to ask for a considerable amount of money up front. Well, that seems fair. I would need 1.2 million to get started. One point... 1.2 million pounds? Yes. To get started? Yes, hi, Nia. What's going on? I'm sorry to interrupt. Someone's calling for you, and they wouldn't take a message, so... Who is it? Special Agent Marcy Gravis. She says she works for the Department of Homeland Security. Uh, tell her I'll call her back. She said it's urgent. Tell her I will call her back. I'm in a meeting. Okay, thank you. I don't have 1.2 million pounds. Correct. You have 1.5 million. In this bank account, I'm leaving room for the fees. Well, that's... 
Look, okay, look. See, that money's for my kids. Well, I think if your kids had the choice between having that money and having their dad, they would choose the latter, I would hope. I understand what you do is very challenging. I, I do. But can't we just be reasonable and bring it down a little bit, just to start? I mean, maybe we could just work our way up to that number. No, no, I'm sorry. That is the starting salary for having your life unfucked. Yeah, but I am... If you're not willing to pay that, I can't take you seriously. But I am serious. Then say yes. I just feel really kind of majorly pressured here. Christ! Mr. Demeter, now there are some men here. They're from... Sorry, where are you from? Just tell them I'll be out in five minutes. Okay, I'll do. I can't in good conscience give you that much money. Not without knowing what that money gets me. It gives you a chance. A chance to do what? A chance to not go to jail for the rest of your life because you're financially tied to the greatest American conspiracy of all time. I'm paying you my children's future for a chance. It's one more chance than you have right now. Oh, God. Look, I think we got off on the wrong foot here. I'm not a bad person. I didn't boil any people in acid. Oh! Damn! Okay. 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 I'll withdraw the money today. You're hired. Okay. Well, congratulations then. You're a millionaire, and you haven't done anything yet. That's not true. I've already removed the single most incriminating piece of evidence from the equation. What am I looking at? Tapes. Lots and lots of tapes. The ones your former employer, Brenda Radowski, AKA Terry Falstaff, AKA Lenore Dougal, sent to Leah Haddock's producer. The Oscar Totem tapes? Sure. Uh, to be clear, that's a bit of a misnomer. A lot of them are Oscars. Others are from after he died. Some are just nonsense, thrown in with the rest. It's not exactly a curated experience. What it is, really, is an insurance policy. Everything this individual hid away because she knew it implicated some very powerful people. And now, it's yours. You're giving these to me? Yes. Put them somewhere where no one will ever find them but you. Don't tell me where you keep them. Okay, but shouldn't you have them? I already pulled the audio off them. I don't understand. How do you have these? How isn't really a question you want to ask me. Right. But I think you'll find as we move forward that intercepting a package is a pretty small order of business for someone in my line of work. Grab that sheet of paper. Yes. I want you to write down three numbers. Mine, your wife's, your lawyer's. You're going to stick that in your pocket. It's the only people you talk to for the next week, okay? Is this a test? You said not to write anything. Eugene, just do what I say. And don't call them from your iPhone. Put that in a drawer and buy a burner. Do you know what a burner is? It's a cheap phone. Correct. As for Nia and Akshay and all the other people running around here with their heads cut off, they're all getting something called mandatory professional development. Say that with me. Mandatory, mandatory professional, professional development. development. We want them scattered. It's hard to put together a story if all the key players are in different locations. Sound familiar? It does, yes. What about the special agents? Who? 
The suit's in the lobby. Oh, they don't know anything. What? They've been paying visits to anyone even vaguely connected to Fitzgerald and Butler. Well, they don't know anything. Not really. Well, you could have told me that. No, Jean, I don't think I could have. Mr. D'Amico? Go away, Akshay! Just leave me alone. Uh, yes, sir. On the back of that, write this down too. Pink Nori, 12 Camley Street, 1600 hours. That's where you're going to meet me. That's in half an hour. Yeah, Jean, we're on Limetown time now. We don't really have time to burn. Okay, I'll make it work. And when you talk to the agents, make sure you ask lots of questions about Leah Haddock. Why? Everybody on planet Earth wants to know where Leah Haddock is, except the guy who took her. At that point, did you think Eugene knew where Leah was? You said you listened to the tapes, right? Yes. So, you have the facts. Why bother with what I think? Interesting. Why is that interesting? No reason. Let's continue. Pink Nori, a few minutes after five. Jean Demeter is over an hour late. The only people in the restaurant are the waitstaff and an older white gentleman who is working on his laptop by the window. Go ahead and give Jean another. You want a more hot water? Sure, thank you. You still want to wait on food? I, I think that's my friend. Oh. I'm with her, thanks. Could you give us a minute? You all right? I don't know if I'm built for this. It was one thing when nobody knew. I just hope this all gets easier. I assume it gets easier. Does it? Did you get rid of your phone? Yeah. I didn't have time to get the burner phone. But I told my staff to go home and await further instructions from me. Oh, and I bought the first cash payment. It's in the bag. You can look at it if you... Don't touch the bag. Okay. I need to ask you a couple questions. Shoot. Do any of the remaining 163 Limetown survivors know who you are? Would they recognize your name from a list or be able to pick your face out of a lineup? No. You're sure? I'm sure. I, I never interacted with them. That's good. Question number two, do you know where Leah Haddock is? No. Do you know who took her? I do. You do? I do. Anything for you to drink? Yeah, I'll take one of everything. Sorry, only kidding. Let me look at the, is this the drink menu? Sorry, do you, do you have whiskey? We have beer. Yeah, yeah, beer's great. Single beer. Thank you. The man who abducted Leah Haddock is named Daniel Rasmuller. R-A-S-S-M-U-E-L-L-E-R. -S -S -E 
Okay. How do you know it was him? He told me. Before or after? Before. He confided in you? I guess you could call it that. Well, what would you call it? Not confiding. This guy is like the employee from hell. I don't say this lightly, but he's a deeply disturbed individual. Are you hungry? No, no, Gene. How was he your employee? It's complicated. By design. I was responsible for withdrawing the money and bagging it. He was responsible for delivering it to the people who needed it. The Limetown survivors. Yeah. I realized later. You didn't know you were paying Limetown survivors? I had no idea. I, it's not like someone sat me down and says, hey, you want to join the conspiracy? I was 27 years old. I was working as an associate at what is now IDS. It's called something else back then. I was just paying my dues, hoping to put a dent in my loans. And one day, out of the blue, someone says, hey, Brenda Radowski, Lenore wants to talk to you. Be at this hotel room in an hour? I'm like, okay. Why does my boss's boss's boss, Brenda Radowski, a very accomplished person and highly respected individual, who everyone in our firm seemed to be scared of, want to talk to an associate? I'm nobody. But you don't question things too much, you know? You're conditioned to do what you're told. So I went. And when I got there, she was very nice, very welcoming. The whole reason I was there was framed as, this is the kind of things all the associates are doing. It's just a side job. So she sits me down, hands me a stiff drink and says, are you interested in making some money on the side? I mean, okay, what kind of money? She says, and I shit you not, this is what she told me it was. A botched class action lawsuit. Our fault. A total clusterfuck. So Brenda says, my help was needed in making these giant annual payments to people all over the world. It was all very simple and straightforward. I'd get the list FedEx to me and on it would be the names and addresses and payment amount and the date I was supposed to deliver this information to a third party, my partner. So it's a two-person job. I take the money out, package it up, this other guy delivers it. I mean, obviously this is a highly unorthodox task she's giving me, but what do I have to lose? I mean, did it occur to me that maybe I was doing something that wasn't 100% legal? Well, daily. Did I ever think for one second that I was paying the people of Limetown to keep quiet about the existence of mind-reading technology? Not even once. So how did you find out you were paying survivors? Daniel told me. Like I said, the way it was set up, I'd never need to interact with him. I only needed to get the money to a certain place by a certain time. Where? The marina. There's a dock with a blue light at the end of it. It's just past the bathrooms. There's a boat called Richard's Folly. The back door would always be open and I would drop it in the cabin. For two years I did just that, with no problem. And then one night he was just 
there, sitting in the darkness. Why don't you describe this Daniel for me? Okay. Well, he's a very large man. You, you're gonna laugh, but the first time I saw him, I, I thought he was a kayak or something, propped up against the wall. Then he started moving. The first time he talked to me, the first thing he said was that he had a secret he was keeping all to himself and that he was tired of keeping it. Then he told me who the money was for. Why would he do that? I didn't ask. Excuse me, C could I get another one of these? Okay, so this Daniel guy does the job for two years after Limetown. He transports the duffel bags full of cash to the people he's supposed to. He gets curious who these people are and does a little digging on them. Maybe he asks one. And then something changes. He knows what he's a part of. And he decides he's going to spill the beans to you, the only other person in this conspiracy he knows. Well, that's possible. And you were unfazed, even once you knew these were Limetown survivors? Well, I wouldn't say that. Just not phased enough to stop. Not that I could have. I tried once, in 2010. I had so much money already, and my daughter had just been born. It just felt like time to pass the torch, and I don't know. The only way I could think to end it was to tell the only person I knew who was in on it. Lenore, whatever her name was. At this point, she dropped off the face of the planet. So what did you do? I waited for him. I went to the boat with the money and I sat in the darkness. Just like he would. I waited. A few hours later, I heard it. heavy creak of this massive man walking slowly down the dock. Like, like he had all the time in the world. I remember. He stopped at the door, the glass door that, that leads into the cabin. He's so big, he blocked out the light. He just waited there on the other side of the glass. He was looking in at me. He knew I was there. I don't know how he knew, but he knew. So, uh, after what felt like maybe 10 years, he slid the door open so slowly. And he walked in. Slides the door shut behind him. He says, I'll never forget this. Do you want to know why I never go to the dentist? I mean, this is how he talks. Like, he's talking past you. Like, responding to something you never said. I didn't say anything. I was too afraid. So, he takes a step closer. Rattling the glass. Then he asked me again. Do you know why I never go to the dentist? 
I mean, he's nearly on top of me now. He says, one time, I heard a story about a little boy named Kiernan who waited for his dentist in the dentist chair when some stranger snuck in and poured lye down his throat. Kiernan's my son's name, if you didn't know that. So I, I, I don't remember exactly what happened after that, but I, I remember I left the money and he let me leave. The assumption was that I would be wise not to get in the way of what he was doing. There would be dire consequences. I, I asked myself for years, why would Brenda hire someone like this? That's when I realised that Daniel's job, it wasn't just about delivering the money. It was keeping people quiet, no matter what it took including Leah Haddock. So why abduct her? I don't know. Lenore, in her final conversation with Leah, seemed to think she'd be kidnapped as some sort of pawn to get to a meal. Sure. Why would Daniel want a meal? Do they know each other? I don't know. I'm assuming you heard Daniel's threat to a meal on Sincerely Sandra. Be at the bridge in 72 hours or Leah ends up in pieces? I did. That stands at 57 hours and counting, by the way. Yeah, I'm very aware. So, what's his motive here? Daniel does a job for a decade, keeping Limetown survivors alive, paid, quiet. Leah starts broadcasting the story of Limetown for the first time, and so he attempts to shut the survivors up. He takes out Warren, then Max. But if your whole goal is to keep Limetown a secret, why not just kill Leah? I don't know. Clearly, in Daniel's mind, finding a meal is more important than Leah. It's more important than the story of Limetown being made public. It's more important than the secrecy of your entire operation. What does it matter? I'm just having a hard time seeing how doing a deep dive into this maniac's head is going to help protect me and my family. I mean, what exactly is our plan here? Our plan is to make Limetown disappear. You're kidding. I'm not. With everything that's happened, your plan is to put the cat back in the back. Yes. Well, doesn't that seem impossible? Only if you care about the well-being of the cat. Look, it has been 38 hours and 15 minutes since Leah Haddock disappeared. In that time, there's been this flood of information about Limetown. No one person can wade through it. There's a thousand people every hour who say they know for sure who took Leah Haddock. Another thousand who say they know one of the survivors. And then you got another thousand who say they're 100% sure that the guy who works in the mailroom has the exact same voice as the guy who showed up at Leah Haddock's hotel room and banged his head against the door screaming her name. Right now, everybody knows everything. So nobody knows anything. And that, Gene, is a good situation for us. Fifteen years ago, Limetown was the biggest story in the world. Five years later, it was just another Wikipedia article. Do you know why that happened? Guess. People moved on. Exactly. But people can only move on if you let them. The story can't be allowed to develop. It has to remain a mystery. If I do my job right, 
in five years, five months, people will be asking themselves, hey, whatever happened to that reporter that got abducted? Did anyone ever find her? Shrug. People, deep down, they want Limetown to be a mystery. That is what they love about it. So our goal here is to make sure that Leah Haddock and the person who abducted her are never seen or heard from again. I see. Do you? I don't deal in euphemisms, Jean. With your acknowledgement, I'm going to kill Daniel Rasmuller. And I'm going to kill Leah Haddock. And we don't... I mean, there are no other options. Not from where I'm sitting. Okay. Okay. And when it's done, me and my family will never have to worry about this. I don't believe in half measures, Jean. Last question. On the Sincerely Sandra call, the demand for a meal was to be at the bridge. Do you have any idea what bridge they could be referring to? I don't. Do you know who would? The implication is Emile would know where the bridge is. Who knows Emile well? Living. Is that a real question? I mean, I, I don't know. Jesus. Alison Haddock, I suppose. The wife of his brother, Jacob. She's the only person in Emil's life who isn't missing or... Dead. Missing or dead. So, Alison Haddock. You're telling me you're going to go talk to Leah Haddock's breathing mother and try to get the same information pretty much every law enforcement agency in the world is after. Yes, Jean, that is my plan. Now here's what you're going to do. You're going to go home, pack a couple suitcases, and get your family to Worthing. Do you know where Worthing is? <laughs> Once you get there, there's a travel lodge called the Worthing Homestead. Room 22 is already booked under the name Harry Frost. Pay in cash. Don't do anything but stay in the hotel and wait for my call. Do you understand? Yeah, I think so. You think so or you do? I, I do. And wait for my call. Was that the first time you'd heard the name Daniel Rasmuller? Yes. When on Oscar Totem's tapes did you first hear him? Why do you call them Oscar Totem's tapes? It's shorthand. But you know there were as many of Lenore's tapes mixed in as his. Yes. Apologies. We shouldn't forget Lenore. She was very thorough. Thorough. Yes, I am flattered at the connection you're attempting to make. So when did you first hear Daniel? After, on the plane ride home. Were you surprised with what you heard? Yes. Why? Because it was surprising. Charlie... I don't know what you want me to say. I just want your opinion, your thoughts. But you're only asking me questions you already know the answers to. I'm trying to understand your choices. You're just a boy wearing men's clothes. Just play the conference call, get on with it. This is from 45 days before the panic. A conference call Lenore conducted from Limetown. Can you say that again? Who's outside? Can you mute your line? I said, as of this morning, half the town has the tech installed into their brains. That's a very big problem. Yes, Kelly, thank you. Jeez, that's a whale of a problem. Lucky for you, I solve problems. What is the proposal? Complete eradication. Complete? Yes. Outside of the asset? Of course, outside of the asset, Kelly. 
Who is speaking? Rasmuller. My name's Daniel, ma'am. Ah, the new leader of the task force. Welcome to the big leagues. Daniel, it's not polite to make subtext text. I'm not interested in being polite. This isn't up for discussion, Daniel. We have no other option, and even less time. With all due respect, of course there are other options than mass murder. You're doing it again, Daniel. Think of how this plays out. Really think ahead. That's over 300 loose ends. We're trying to zip things up over what here. What the fuck is happening right now? What are we doing? Our jobs, Daniel. There's a way to do this. You said half the town has the tech. Yes. That's an asset. That's the option of a long-term study in an organic environment. Hello? You're a smart man, Daniel. Wait, I'm lost. He's saying we keep the people with the tech alive to study the long-term effects. I think I can sell that. Is that an option? Theoretically. Well, that seems pretty good. So what would need to be done? Daniel, are you willing to claim responsibility for the survivors? And before you respond, let me explain what that means in basic English. It means until the day these 163 people die, after living long, full lives, they never speak a word of anything that's happened here. And if they ever do, then that is on you. That is your responsibility. That means, when I personally dig the mass grave, your unidentifiable corpse will be buried in all the rotting meat of your mistakes. Is that clear? Jesus, Brenda. I don't know about all that. Ken, stop talking. Is that clear, Daniel? Wonderful. Let's play it out. I'll start the Excel sheet. Great. Please be sure to CC me on any correspondence. Of course, Kelly. How could I forget you? Miss Radowski, thank you for listening to reason. No, Daniel. Thank you. Daniel saved half the town. What a guy. Lenore was right. I should have tied up all the loose ends. You genuinely believe that? You can't honestly believe otherwise. Oh, I do. And I can. I would have appreciated working with her. She was quite a person. But she got old, and she got sloppy. She had a change of heart. Like I said. When did you hear the second Rasmuller tape? I don't want to hear the second tape again. Would you rather I pull your fingernails out? Yes. That's why we have to talk about it. Please don't play that. Were you listening alone? Stop. You do dream, don't you? Fucking stop. She never hears your screams, does she? Just turns the volume up. Stop! What surprised you most about the second tape? Please, don't make me listen. This is important. This is the first time you knew. The 
first time you knew there was something after Limetown. Let's turn the volume up. told you I can't tell you then we'll continue this conversation in a few days please at least leave the lights on 